Welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. And a majority of the conversations have been with realtors because being a realtor, it's very much you, you're your own boss which has pluses and minuses, and it's all about mindset and ensuring you're doing what you're doing. And if you want to add uh, uh, more complexity, you become a team leader. And uh, Matthew, welcome to the program. And uh, you don't have any gray here yet, but I suspect they're coming your way. Uh, welcome to the program. <laughs> you're there. Trust me. Thank you for having me so much. Superb. So uh, we were just chatting before we went on the air, and it turns out that uh, we're a stone's throw away so we're both in Toronto. And so when did you get into real estate? This is my seventh year. So 2016, um, end of 2016, November. Nice. So what were you doing uh, before you became a realtor? Uh, everything. I mean, I was, I was on that, that journey, figuring everything out. I was 24. Still not really knowing what I wanted to do. I went through phases. First, I wanted to be a police officer. Then I was, as I was in school, I realized, okay, I don't want to be a police officer. Then I studied history in university and I'm like, okay, I love history. I love to talk about it. Why not teach it to people? So let me, let's become a teacher. And as I was in university, I, I started a barber business as a hobby. And the barber business um, went from just my local close friends. Right. To, to um, everyone seeing their haircuts and saying, who cut your hair? They're like, Matt. And they're like, how much do you charge? And I was like, I uh, I guess five dollars, you know. So people started to come yeah. to my, started cutting out of my garage, and then that just exploded. And I woke up a little, the entrepreneurial spirit because before then I didn't realize that I could work for myself, nor right. that, nor that I could even do something on my own at a at a high level. I didn't have that confidence. I always felt like I needed to work under someone or be an employer, be told what to do. So I started to go through all these mindset shifts. And uh, when my mother bought her first property, uh, she was always renting with me growing up single mom i went to the showing and i saw the realtor pull up in his, his mustang do his showing and i was like okay this is, this is a job this is a old job and at the time i was trying to figure out how to leverage my entire barber network because i had over 200 clients oh wow nice yeah so i knew i didn't want to sit there and cut hair all the time so that was so i figured I'm like you know what i like this no ceiling uh job which is real estate where i can Basically you want made. you wanted a job a cup of above the others is that what you wanted? Sorry, a job a cut above the others. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that was a, that was a, just to sum it up. Like, um, I just I, I'm like I'm, I'm going to try this real estate thing out. I don't have right. any business background, but let me just try it out. And here we are. Actually, uh, it kind of reminded me a friend of mine, uh, you know, college student in California. He's got two roommates. And one day his roommate's getting ready to go in. He says, where are you going? He says, going to go to the barber to get my hair cut. He says, I cut hair. I says, really? And he sits down and he cuts his hair. He'd never cut hair before. And beginner's luck did a really good job. The second roommate goes, I'm next, I'm next. And then, of course, he did a horrible job on him because he didn't know what he was doing. But, uh, but that's kind of cool. St starting as a barber, so what lessons did you learn from customer service, cutting hair, that uh, helped you in the real estate business? everything it's the best thing that ever happened to me by accident mm. it was i became i call myself a chameleon because i was actually very introverted growing up i was really right. shy and this forced me out of my bubble 
um, I started to gain a high level of confidence um, while being a barber. I had to adapt to all different age groups, ethnicities, interest levels, lingo, um, and hold the conversation down for half an hour every single time. So the old me wouldn't know what to say. I would just prefer not to have engage in conversation. This new me, I had no choice but to engage in conversation and figure out interests and become super personable. So going into real estate, I could just walk into any room and adapt. You know, that doesn't matter who the client is, older, younger, parents, new first time home buyers. I just know how to adapt and mirror them in order to for them to uh, be given a, a good service. Nice. So what's interesting is my wife used to be a hairdresser as well. And oftentimes this is more women than men. I suspect would bring in a picture of a haircut that they wanted, but they actually want to look like the person in uh, the pictures, probably, you know, like a Julia Roberts. And she's like, you know, I can cut the hair like that, but you're not going to look like that. And the reason I share that with you is people have a internal idea of what they want and it's your job as the hairdresser to divine what they want and also do something that's uh, realistic and sell it to them as well because sometimes they, yes. they can't meet their expectations. So talk to me about how you held, how you accomplish that as a barber, and then we'll talk about you know how you take that skill, which is like a critical skill for successful realtors, is to really divine what people truly want as opposed to what they say they want. Uh, so talk about hairdressing first, then we'll come back to uh, real estate. It's a good question. I've never looked at it this way, but uh, what's coming to me is when someone brought a picture, um, I had to be a really good listener. I had to be really attentive to detail. Yeah. Like really, really like put my creative mind on and create exactly what they wanted. Not just a, you know, let's go to real estate now. Not like, can't look for a house like this and just send a bunch of listings and whatever. Just like that, like that haircut, I have to really listen to their wants and needs pay attention to what I'm sending them. And, you know, when I walk into a house now, I could just tell them, this is not it. Let's get out of here. Right. So I think it's that, that same parallel when it came to cutting hair, cause I had to be super meticulous on everything. And I'm just a, I'm an, I'm an overachiever. So I would be really upset if I could not match that photo, Like I would go incredibly hard until that came to life. I would not have asset. What's kind of interesting is I meet a lot of people, especially women that are CEOs of companies that used to be elementary school teachers and that skill set from elementary school in guiding their employees and more importantly, the management team is invaluable because it, it, it's something you can apply immediately and get the best out of people. Uh, another one is people that are bartenders make great realtors because it's how to deal with the public, especially in challenging situations. And, and now I'm going to add uh, being a, a barber as well, because uh, one of the things that's kind of interesting about uh, being a barber versus any of the other professions is at some level, you're also their psychologist. Oh, yeah. Big time. And so and also when you're doing real estate, oftentimes you hear about their personal problems and what's going on and making peace between the two spouses to figure out the right house that they want. Yeah. So talk to me about uh, what would be the best psychology for a realtor to have? to be really effective in this, uh, this industry? Well, patience for one. Yeah. I mean, patience, patience is incredibly important. Um, knowing how to like listen and really understand what their wants and needs are. 
and the problems that they're dealing with become that problem solver for them versus just sticking to a script and just forcing it down every single person. You got to adapt to everyone's needs, their personality types, the way they react to things. You have to know how to converse with certain people. Some are more anxious than others, right? Um, some Some are more analytical than others. So some just want the straight facts. Some need to be nurtured. So I feel that um, being adaptable and having an adaptable psychology, I think self-development is super important in this business too. And understanding, you know, the different personality types out there and how people react to certain things um, versus being very linear. And you're not going to be able to resonate and connect with certain people unless you're just, unless you're on that one path that you are only open to, if that makes sense. It does. So, uh, uh, how long were you uh, a realtor before you got a team? Um, six years. Six years. And in, and in how many people in your team right now? Six. Six. How many realtors Including of the six? Okay. Uh, so about uh, six people and uh, how many realtors? Okay, it went quiet for a minute. It kind of uh, five. five. Okay, excellent. So yeah. that's good. It's uh, so anxiety is inherent in uh, all industries in real estate as well. When our markets go up and down, and you think you're going to get a deal, so tell me about one of the early days. How you handled anxiety as a realtor, and how you overcame it to kind of stay in the zone and get get stuff done. I mean, real estate is very fight or flight. Every day you wake up unemployed, I like to say, because unless you get that deal or something's on the go, you're not making any money, right? So it's it's defeating. It's very defeating when you first get in and you have no leads coming in. You don't know where you know where to start. So I, I feel like self. I've been on a self development journey, uh, especially with my mindset right. from the age of 19, and just having a very big belief system. I think is very important. Knowing that you're going to be able to achieve it, just trust the process. Um, being able to, uh, you know, sit with yourself, calm yourself down, know that everything will be okay. Uh, put yourself around the right people who are doing it well and just mirror them. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's very important to just be able to take a step back, analyze what's going on, know that this will pass and everything will be good as long as you keep this working. This too shall pass. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Brilliant. So, uh, who was your first hire? Like, was it an admin person or did you go for uh, an agent? Admin first. He, it's been just actually one year in May. And um, before I started the team, it, him and I started to really develop our systems, um, iron out, you know, our whole back end and build out that foundation. And now with the team, it's a little bit easier because he understands how I operate, I understand how he operates, and we can manage everything together versus trying it all at once. I feel like that would just be a disaster. Oh, absolutely. Hold on for a second. We're going to go to a sponsor, and we'll be right back. If you're ready to let go of anxiety, let go of uncertainty, let go of doubt, Mindset Boosters gives you the ability to decide how you act and feel in any situation. Ready to take charge of your mindset? Go to MindsetBoosters.com. So thanks to Mindset Boosters, uh, the QR code is right over there in the corner. It's an app that allows you to decide how you act or feel in any situation. And uh, 
mindset is such a critical component of how well we do in life, whether it's at work, in real estate, or in love. Uh, so who was your first uh, agent that you hired? And what was that experience like when you actually had to manage somebody other than your admin? Yeah, so uh, luckily my, my girlfriend and I kind of started the team together. And nice. We essentially took on about three three main agents right away mm-hmm. that we knew and we had connected with and had worked alongside and had a capacity with in the past. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a good culture. Um, consider them, you know, like leasing agents, buying agents. For now, uh, we we come on and support them however they need when it comes to their own clients. If they need us in front of them, if they need us on phone calls with them, if they need us on listing appointments, but. Um, yeah, that's kind of how we did it. Nice. So what was your concept of leadership and what was the reality that you discovered? Like oftentimes there's a disconnect of, uh, it's like theoretical and then you actually have to do the day in day out and have to figure stuff out. So talk to me about the Delta between what you thought it was and what it ended up being. Yeah. I mean, this kind of stems to my first mentor, uh, watching him produce at a super high level for me. I love the way he led and mentored me, which was oh, just throwing me in the fire. Right? I loved I loved he just threw me in the fire. I saw him doing what he did at a super high level. And the way he trained me was more so a lot of questioning, a lot of like, what do you think about this, Matt? I, he never really told me how to just go do this, this, this. It's more, I, I was always getting tested and tricked. And I felt like I had to consistently just, okay, what's, I wonder what he thinks about this. I wonder what he thinks about this. So I kept me on my toes and I felt, I feel like, you know, not being at that brokerage anymore, looking back, um, I, I love the way he did that. So I, I, I'm kind of like that with my team now. I want to lead by example, operate at a super high level, uh, share everything and, and be as supportive as possible, but also not hand everything out on a silver platter. I want, I want things to, I want there to be a level of difficulty where, they do feel tested and challenged and I will pick them apart on certain things. I'm not going to be a passive leader. Right. Right. So Makes I sense. Feel like, yeah. There's a good, good level of learning that comes out of that versus just being, you know, handing things out on a silver platter, always giving a pat on the back. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. sounds like your, uh, first, uh, leader was Yoda, which is really, really helpful. And, uh, yeah. note to Matthew after this uh, podcast, write him a thank you note because, uh, Oftentimes, uh, you know, those people that we meet along the journey allow us to uh, uh, become the people that we were meant to become. Exactly. I'm very grateful for him, for sure. So, Matthew, you've probably uh, done your share of screwing up uh, as a realtor, as a leader. So tell me about one of the areas where now when you look back at it, it's like, you know, I wonder why I did that. And what was the lesson you learned? Because one of the things great leaders do is... Uh, when we make mistakes, we have the ability to learn from those mistakes and go, okay, got it. Whereas if someone told you, Matthew, do it this way because of this, and it's like, okay, but if you have to experience it, then that's a lesson you never forget. Do you have one of those lessons that uh, uh, still stays with you where you kind of learned the hard way, but uh, it became a lesson that uh, has helped you? Yeah, I feel like just generally being brutally honest and transparent. I feel like in the beginning of my career, obviously you're trying to win clients, you're trying to beat other realtors, so you're gonna overpromise. 
you're going to sweeten it up and butter things up, you know, just to make your clients feel good. But all it does is make your life insanely difficult. Um, right. So now I'm, I'm like the most transparent guy. I'm brutally honest. Even if that means I don't win the listing or I win the client, I'd rather be at peace of mind with myself. And when I do get accepted for my brutal honesty, I get the job done at a super high level for the client and they could not be happier with that transparency. So I feel like in the beginning, yeah, there's, there's times where I would just say things just to get deals or yeah. promise and the anxiety was even worse. Yeah. So just adding to that, thank you for sharing that. Cause that's the other thing great leaders do is uh, they don't have this facade of, I know everything. It's like, Hey, this is what I learned, how I got here. And a couple of things adding to what you said. Uh, one, I think uh, intent is so important. So some people use brutal honesty as a weapon. But if the intent is to be of highest service to my clients or if I'm leading my agents and the intent is to allow them to shine, that comes through and it's received differently. Would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah, and the other thing is very much uh, if uh, – you can't be honest with the right intent if you don't have a level of confidence in yourself because that comes yes. from when you feel confident in your skin, then it's like, okay, I can tell the truth about this thing. And sometimes it's for the best. It's like, I don't want to hurt John's feelings. He's one of our agents and I don't want to, you know, hurt him, but then we're hurting everybody. But if we're confident, it's like, okay, and we have a good relationship of trust. So talk mm -hmm. to me about, your journey as a, a real estate agent when you really felt confident in your abilities because you know certainly when we first come in oftentimes thank god we have bravado that lets us step in there and do shit even though we don't know what we're doing and the experience of that gives us the confidence so when did you really feel like i got this and this stuff i don't know but that doesn't make a difference i know how to solve those yeah i think i was year three for me i think yeah. was the year where I had the exponential growth and everything started to come and I was just taking everything. I just, yeah, no problem. I know exactly how to do this. I know how to do this. The social media for me started to really take off the awareness, the credibility. Um, I do suffer from, I have suffered from imposter syndrome for a very long mm -hmm. time. Um, so, you know, that was a battle for me too, but um, I would say yeah, year three is when everything just, the confidence fully kicked in, the foundation was there and I was mm -hmm. ready to just receive. Superb. And uh, uh, you're into year seven, right? You were saying? Yeah. And so uh, I suspect your level of confidence is is uh, deeper now. And uh, in another three, four years, it'll be even better still. So talk to me about the relationship. Uh, you didn't think you'd have to work so hard on the interview, right? But here we go. Uh, talk to me about the relationship between confidence and trust. Well, I think people, I think it comes down to energies. I'm, I'm very much mm -hmm. into energies and I feel like people can sense it from you, right? If you walk into a room and, absolutely, you know, my language is off and you're fidgeting and, and you're, the way you're speaking, it's just not, you're not coming out with conviction. I feel that people are, aren't going are gonna to lack some trust in you, right? But if you're walking into a room with conviction, complete confidence, and you really know what you're talking about and you're like just spitting out facts, People are just going to go, okay, I, I trust this guy. He knows what he's talking about, you know? And I, I do get that vibe now where, you know, I have one client, an example right now, they're selling their house in another 
province and they're coming to me to ask my opinion on certain things. And it's, it's humbling for me because obviously they have a realtor doing it th their job at a high level down there, but they must really value and trust my opinion to want to ask me about their situation over there too. Right. Nice. So it's, 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 it's cool. I mean, it happens, it comes over time and experience. It's not like you can day one real estate, you walk in a room and it's like, I'm the most confident guy ever. So let me answer that. Uh, so you can have someone that can come in that is confident, has conviction, knows the facts, but does not feel confident inside because we can mm -hmm. all like uh, put on a facade, but humans have this ability to sense when something isn't quite right. They can't put their finger on it. So I think when you feel confident in yourself, all those subtle communications as well kind of line up with who you are. And you, when your intentions line up with who you are, that's where you come through as a more powerful human being. And the more powerful you are, the more trust gets developed because you become a, a stable foundation that they can rely on. Because in a lot of ways, uh, realtors aren't needed to do transactions until something goes wrong. And uh, then it's like, thank God I got a realtor. And that's why we get them in the first place. So that confidence and trust is so critical in, in people understanding uh, that uh, Matthew's got my back. If something goes sideways, he's going to solve it. Yeah, I think another thing to point out here, I think that living your true authentic self is very important. And Absolutely. like you mentioned, God, like I speak on this all the time is authenticity because I'm able to walk in and people get my vibe because I, walk, mm. I wake up every day alive. I know I'm, I'm going to come out today as Matt Campoli. I'm excited. I'm not going to try and be anyone else other than myself. If people don't like it. I don't care. So when I walk into a room, I am completely 100% my authentic self. And there's really no way that someone could read through that because there's no smoking mirrors there. Right. So that, I think that's very important for people if, if they want to learn how to carry themselves, learn how to just be yourself first. And that's uh, a lot harder than you would think. Cause for Way a lot of people, so there's like, so I'll tell you a story and I'll get to the point. Uh, I used to be in Silicon Valley, ran a consulting mm -hmm. firm, and we would launch companies in the Valley from the States, from overseas. And one day we had, uh, I had these Taiwanese people that were clients and we had dinner together and said, oh, why don't you come with us? We're meeting someone else. He might be a great client for you. Come to this Korean karaoke bar. And God knows you don't want to hear me sing. So I said, sure. We go there and there's lots of drinking. And, uh, then this guy comes in to play the keyboard. And as he's playing the keyboard live, then people are doing karaoke with him. So it's not just uh, pre-recorded music. And so in this meeting, I kind of asked the guy, what's with drinking and you Asians, man? He says, ah, when you come to our office, you do your like business talk. And if we like what you're saying, we take you out for drinks that evening and we get you drunk. And we see the real you. Not the business face, but the real face. And that got me to think a little bit deeper. And I, what I came up with was this, is that, Matthew, we each have three faces. We have the mm -hmm. face, the illusion that we show everyone else. And that illusion could be, look at me, I'm pretty, I'm smart, I'm amazing. Or the illusion yeah. could be, look at me, I'm a victim, nothing goes right, people are out to get me. Or some kind of mm -hmm. facade that we're putting on. Then we have a sense of who we are, and I call that the delusion. This is who I think I am and who we think we are and who we show people. There's a delta between the two, which takes a lot of mental effort to maintain both and creates a lot of stress. But then there's a third position, which is the authentic self. 
And once you take the journey to find your authentic self, then you don't have that delusion of who you think you are. You know who you are. And if you have the confidence at that point, you know who you are, that's who you show the outside world as well. So there's only one you. And it sounds like that's what you've done, Matthew, is discovered the real you. And you show up as that. And some people love you and some people don't like you, and which is way better than most people liking you. But they don't like the real you. They like this... Uh, illusion of you so bravo for for doing that and i think that's part of the journey for the people you're leading is helping them discover their authentic selves and then you get someone that is uh more powerful to, for the team and it takes a lot of the drama away as well in organizations because is when people feel threatened is when they're trying to balance these different facades is when you get uh, more of the drama when people are i know who i am I trust Matthew and this thing that Matthew does, I don't like it, but I don't care because I appreciate everything else. And all that stuff goes away. And I think that's how you build kick-ass, amazing teams. Because for most teams, when you look at the sum of the parts, especially leadership teams, they have the best and brightest. But when they come together, more times than not, the whole is less than the sum of the parts. And if you can build an authentic team, then you get something that actually the whole is much larger than the sum of parts. And that's where you get amazing things done so yes. thoughts on that what i just described does that sound like crazy talk or is like uh hallelujah praise the lord no I, I agree fully with it i think that's i think it's super important i think um people need to dive deeper into discovering that especially in the, cult, in the culture they're into so matthew uh before we part company you know my area of expertise is very much neuroscience and mindset. So since you got me here for a few minutes, uh, what's a question to you have about mindset or team dynamics that uh, you've always wanted to know? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I mean, yeah, any, any advice for me leading a team maybe to keep the culture super strong, keep everyone engaged and and making it feel like it's their baby as much as it is mine so one of the things you said about you as a human being is uh, you know when you discovered your authentic self that it allowed you to kind of show up more powerfully and i yes. think what you need to do is really this weekend maybe if you get some time think about because emotions are more powerful than thoughts I want you to think about what are the emotions I want a client to feel when they come work with anybody in my team? Like, what's that feeling that I want? Because we've got the words around it. You know, I want satisfied customers and I want them to be happy. And they're all uh, very kind of uh, an artifice that we've got. But if you go down to this, the emotion that I want, that I want them to really value what we did, that when they're going to sleep in their house for the first time exhausted from moving in that they're thinking man i'm so glad we had who whichever agent works for you or it could be you that really get what emotions you want your clients to have and then from that you can figure out what behaviors you guys need to do and then think about what are the feelings i want my agents to have about the team what are the emotions i want them to have about me what are the emotions I want them to have in an ideal world about themselves? And when you get that emotional map kind of laid out, 
then it'll give you a better sense of this is the culture that I want. And it just looks at the culture that you've got from a different lens. And sometimes it gives you deep insights that you would have figured out six years from now. And some of the hires you'll make will be mistakes. But if you can define it in this way, you'll be able to articulate it better. And when you articulate it better, it gives you a filter that you can use to find new agents that would actually fit in well. They don't have to be people yes. that agree with you, but they'd be ones that would value that kind of uh, emotional space. And emotions define culture better than anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I wrote all this down. <laughs> That's awesome. I like Brilliant. that a lot. Matthew, before we're going to put all the uh, information in the show notes about how people can find you in a like in 30 seconds, uh, in case someone's running on a treadmill listening to this, how can people find you? Yeah, so uh, for those on the treadmill, good job, keep going. You can find me at uh, on Instagram at Matt Campoli, M A T T C A M, like Mary P O L I. I also host a real estate podcast. It's called the Price to Sell Podcast. And you can look up our team. We are called the Residency Group, R-S-D-N-C-Y Group. And uh, yeah, but all my links are in my main Matt Campoli page. So it might be easiest for you to just navigate through there. Superb. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for being on the program. Uh, sit tight. Uh, we're going to do the end credits and we'll chat for a few minutes. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results.